Um, it's actually a, a great honor for me to, to be giving the weekly tour portion here this week. Um, um, as, as was mentioned, I grew up here at Temple Emanuel. My family came here uh, from the Ukraine in 1993. I was a student here um, for Sunday schools. I was a fourth grade assistant teacher. I was bar mitzvah here in this very room at this bima. And I remember my mom and my sister from my bar mitzvah um, now uh, many years ago sitting over here in the front row and just laughing hysterically at me because I was speaking so fast nobody could understand me because I was so nervous. Um, so hopefully I'll do a little bit uh, of a better job today. Um, so I'm currently living in Boston where I'm a rabbinical school student at Hebrew College and it feels really nice to be back home in San Francisco with friends and with family. And one of the benefits of being back home um, with families, being able to watch uh, our favorite TV shows together. Um, and so one of our favorite TV shows is a detective show called Monk. And so it's about a detective here in San Francisco who has OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and he uses that in order to solve really unique, challenging cases. And so when people give him credit um, because he was able to solve this really mysterious case, he, uh, he always says, well, it's a gift and it's a curse. Um, so today I want to talk about the, the line between blessings and curses and to see if there really is a distinction between the two. Uh, this week's Torah portion is Balak, which is named after the Moabite king that has it in for the Israelites. There's a lot that happens in this week's Torah portion. There's plague, and as was mentioned earlier, there's talking donkeys. Um, uh, but what I would like to focus on specifically is about how King Balak hires Balaam the prophet to travel towards the Israelites and to bring curses onto the nation of Israel from on high. But before Balaam can even begin his journey, God appears to him and instructs the prophet to abstain from bringing curses. God says, you shall not curse the people because they are blessed. Instead of curses, Balaam is now instructed to bring blessings to the Israelites. And so he switches directions and heads home to the Moabites, where he relays this new message, message to his patron, the king of the Moabites, Balak. He says, those who bless the Israelites shall be blessed, and those who curse the Israelites shall be cursed. So there's been a great deal of analysis of this whole scene throughout the Jewish tradition, as scholars attempt to parse out what does it mean to be blessed? Are blessings always a blessing, they ask, or is it much more contextual? One such conversation takes place in the Talmud in Tractate Tiny 20a. The rabbis claim that the curses that come from a different prophet named Ahijah are actually better than the blessings that come from Balaam. The rabbis, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, the rabbis recount how Ahijah, who hails from the northern tribes of Israel, curses King Solomon and the rest of his southern Jewish brothers. And uh, they consider it to be a curse because he uh, compared these southern tribes to a tiny reed that blows in the wind beside the water. Balaam, in contrast, gave the Israelites a blessing that they should be like the tall, majestic cedars of Lebanon. But as the rabbis point out, the line between blessings and curses is actually more complicated. The rabbis muddy the waters when they point out that perhaps the curse can actually be a blessing. And... The blessing may have, in fact, all along been a curse. They see the positive flip side of being compared to a reed. A reed that grows by the water has many roots and generates many new shoots. Additionally, the rabbis point out how Balaam blessed the Israelites to be like the cedar beside the waters. A fact, the rabbis point out, cannot be true because cedars don't actually grow beside the water. 
All right. So they're using some of their detective skills, some, some of their uh, monk detective skills. Um, so moreover, for uh, the cedars, their stock does not grow, new shoots, and their roots are not many. Ahijah's prophecy of Israel's downfall was actually a blessing, the rabbis declared. Let them be like reeds, not like cedars. The line between blessings and curses, as it turns out, depends on how much energy you have to make the most of the new circumstances that you now find yourself in. Blessings and curses shake us out of our complacency. They force us to ask questions. Blessings and curses demand that we live with intentionality, that we think carefully about the direction of our lives. They force us into a position of humility where we have no choice but to acknowledge our lack of understanding of the world around us. So for us to be able to thumb our noses at our curses and to make the most of our blessings, we must nevertheless continue, always continue marching forward. Our questions are a bit different nowadays than the rabbis. We not only ask, is this a blessing or is this a curse? More importantly, we ask, well, what now? One of the greater blessings that's happened to me in my life is the opportunity to be able to emigrate from the former Soviet Union and to arrive here on the shores of San Francisco. Yet, the loaded language of blessings as a feel-good experience and curses as something that will forever devoid our lives of meaning is not always a helpful paradigm for looking at these experiences. Instead, in thinking about these experiences, perhaps it might be more helpful to look at them as opportunities to wrestle. The word Israel means that we are the ones that wrestle with God. But that's not all that we must wrestle with. We must also wrestle with life. Moving to America, a life from my family, to live within a democracy. Is democracy a blessing that happens to us just once and then it's over? Or is it an obligation, a responsibility that we must consistently stay in relationship with? Being raised here at Emmanuel and learning about the obligation of tikkun olam all my life, I wonder, is it a static blessing to have this obligation of tikkun olam? Is it even a blessing to be a part of this people? Or is it an ongoing relationship that places upon us a heavy burden? Can it be both? So to conclude, I'd just like to bless us all to be like the reed beside the water, that we may, that we may be durable and have the resiliency to withstand the winds of our lives. And I'd also like to bless us to be like the cedar. May we continue to grow year after year, that we should grow spiritually, emotionally, and in our ability to love. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.